you can quote the text with me this morning. I'm going to ask the Lord to help us. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now. Someone say now. Someone say right here, right now. I like that the author put now in there because regardless of when we would read it, we know that what he's saying is available. It's truth. It's not circumstantial. It's not temporary. It's not momentary. It's an eternal truth. He said now. Someone say now. Someone say right now. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Just look at your neighbor and say, hope happens in hard places. Father, we are grateful this morning for how you've already helped us. And Lord, if we left right now, so much fulfillment and purpose and work has been done in the supernatural realm that God, many would be fulfilled, but I do believe that you're speaking to a few more that have yet to break through, that have yet to step through, that have yet to walk into the promise that you have for them, the future you prepared for them. So I believe your word is coming this morning to bring encouragement. I pray that your word would be released and that power to compel someone from the place they are. God, would allow someone to walk out of that space and place that they're in into your plan and your purpose, we pray. Would someone just join me in saying in Jesus' name? And then would you just declare amen over that simple prayer? Amen. So be it this morning. You may be seated. The Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes, it's a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick because we're never, God doesn't intend for us to give up on hope. And so as long as hope is at work, your heart's sick for whatever it is that God has placed in your heart. Hope deferred makes your heart sick because you know you haven't received the promise yet. Hope deferred makes the heart sick because by faith you can see something in the future, but it has yet to come into reality in your life. We're talking about when God places a hope in your heart, it makes your heart sick. But when that desire comes, it's a tree of life. And so as long as we're in that season of waiting, often we're heart sick. Anyone ever been heart sick for something you've yet to receive? Oh, every engaged person, everybody that was engaged ought to remember. Hope deferred. You ought to remember what it was like in that waiting season, in that waiting period. I hate waiting. I sing by faith. I don't mind waiting. I only say that by faith. I only sing it because God can help us. I hate waiting. I hate waiting. I remember, I remember one of the best gifts I ever got as a kid was a bicycle. I talked about the bicycle before, but the problem was that my mom and dad gave me that bike at Christmas time. I remember, I remember the waiting. I remember going down to the mud cellar, past the coal room, beyond the furnace, and there it was, the orange Pacer 20-inch bicycle, banana seat, high handlebars. I remember because I took trips downstairs to remind myself it was still there and yet to be ridden because January was a long, cold month, and February was a longer, cold month. And I remember asking my mom if I can just take my bicycle outside. 
hope deferred. I remember that day when we brought it out. It's lodged in my brain right there. I, I can remember the spongy gravel driveway with puddles and bumps from frost coming up out of the ground in that spring. And I remember getting on that bike for the first time, and I drove it. I don't remember having to learn to drive a bicycle. I don't know. I don't know how many times I went in circles. I don't know how many times I fell down, but nobody was helping me. Nobody was holding the seat. Nobody was holding me up by the shoulders. I just got on, and that I was so excited about that bicycle that I couldn't wait. And when I finally got the chance, there wasn't even learning. It just, I sound like Donald Trump right now. But that was true. I remember I had about a six-foot space in the basement. I'd coast back and forth in six feet. So the learning happened before I ever got outside. So biking, bike, I loved the adventure, the liberty, the freedom, the open road before me. I was six years old, never felt so free. It was before X Games. We had ramps and jumps and races and time trials in our backyard. Amazing what you can do when you don't have TV or video games. As a matter of fact, this scar on my chin, is it on this side? I think it. I think I have a scar on this. We were doing, we were doing races in the backyard, and, and uh, I remember we had slalom through the monkey bars, and we had a path around the perimeter of the property, and we would drive our bikes around, and we would time ourselves. But the one part, the hard part of the course was that the, the hurdle uh, part of the, where the monkey bars was is about that, maybe about that high. And I remember that part of the track was that we had to duck underneath the monkey bars. And, and so we had gone through this whole race with our friends and our, on our bicycles, the 20-inch orange pacer. And, uh, and, you know, we were doing all right. And then there was this one kid that was complaining about his bike. Why? Well, it wasn't the bike's fault. It was the kid's fault. And I was going to prove to him that it was his, not his bike. So I got on his bike, and I decided I was going to go around. Remember, I wasn't 20. I was like, give me a break. I was six years old. And uh, I remember going around that, that course that we had built. And when I went under that monkey bars, what I didn't realize is that he had a, a little, you know, tingling, tingling bell that was there. But the top was off of it. So it was just this exposed piece of steel. And when I ducked under, my chin caught that bell. But not to be deterred. Because we had something to prove, or I had something to prove. I finished the race, and I remember that it hit my chin, but when I got back, all the kids were like, the blood was running down my neck, down on my shirt. And I was like, I didn't feel it. I must have hit, you know, just one of those things. I, I remembered hitting my chin, but, but I remember that they said, you're bleeding. I looked down, the blood was all down my, it's my word. So probably should have got a couple stitches, but we don't want to waste time doing that. Went in, and mom doctored it up with a couple of band-aids. She, she said later, we probably should have got that stitched. Well, yeah, I got this big skin tag hanging off my face for the rest of my life. But I was content. I was content driving the bicycle. I was, that, was, that was hope fulfilled. I was happy. I, that, was, uh, that was a treasure that I had. I loved it. I, I enjoyed it. It was... It was liberty. It was freedom. I, I was content un, until, until Richard John Clark 
I went to visit Richard John, and Richard John had a motorbike. An orange Suzuki DS80. Has anyone in the room ever driven a, an orange Suzuki DS80? Just me. Well, let me tell you about it. That I could turn the throttle and get propelled around instead of pedal. That was great. I didn't know how to drive a motorbike, but I sure got on it. And I was twisting the throttle and pulling the clutch and jamming the gears and whatever happened. And sometimes I get it right and sometimes I get it wrong. But, but then all of a sudden, my bicycle didn't make me all that happy anymore. It was hope deferred. Things beyond that that I wanted. And I, I did. I ended up buying a DS80 later on. Because of something that was lodged in my spirit. I wanted that and I wouldn't be happy until. I don't want to take all the time this morning talking about this. However, what I want to say is that it planted something in my heart. Something that was hoped for. That's in the natural realm. That was the the natural man. That was a natural longing, a natural hope. It was the hope for something more. But can I remind us all this morning that God also allows us to hope for more in the supernatural realm today. God allows us to taste of something, to see something, to observe something. And and part of the reason that we have leaders in worship is because that opportunity that we have to see someone begin to praise God, and they're not here just to put on a show. They're not here just to sing a song. It's about leading us into the presence of God. But when we kind of take a look up and we see that that song is moving somebody because of their life, because of what God has done in their heart, then something grabs a hold of our spirit and we begin to worship together. Isn't it awesome when we get to do this together? I'm glad that some people in the room this morning have compelled me into a place of worship. Some people in the room today have encouraged me to to get out of the place that I was in, to go into that next level in God. It's something that I hope for, something that I long for. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. I think God has a huge problem with people that just become complacent. God has a huge problem for people that are just willing to settle for less than. I believe that when we just kind of get complacent and content, there's something that stirs in the heart of God. And he says, that's not what I intended for my people to live like. That's not where I intended for them to settle. That's not where I want them to stop. I want there to be a hunger for more. I want them to look up and look out to that place that I've called them to. I have a desire for them to inherit every promise. I need them to hope for something. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Someone say hoped for. It's the thing that's hoped for. It was Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7. He actually, the writer of Hebrews is quoting Psalm chapter 95 almost verbatim. And he says, wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works for 40 years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their heart, and they have not known my way, so I will swear in my wrath. They shall not enter into my rest. What is the author of Hebrews referring to? What was the psalmist talking about. I'll tell you what they were talking about. They were talking about when Israel came to the brink of the promised land and they stopped. 
I was talking there. He was talking about when Israel came right to the point of promise that God had given to them, but then they became content with where they were. They, 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 they sent some spies into the land. You know the story. And those 12 spies went in, and 10 came back with a bad report, and two came back with a good one. 10 came back and said, There's walled cities all the way up to the heavens, there's giants in the land, there's problems. But then there was two that came back and said, Oh, you gotta see it. Come on, the grapes there are huge, the fruit there's awesome. The promised land is incredible. It does flow with milk and honey. And it's available if we're willing to go in. Come on, let's go in. And God compared those individuals, their faith level, their hope level, the things that they were desirous of. He had a huge problem with 10 people that didn't want to walk into the promised land. The problem was not greater than the promise. So sometimes we end up standing in the midst of our problem and because it's problematic and because it's trouble and because it's difficult, we just kind of settle down and settle in and say, well, I think this is where I'm going to stay. I don't think we should move forward. I don't feel like fighting. I've done my fighting time. I don't feel like pushing. I've pushed this far. I don't feel like going forward. And if there's anything in the scripture that I can see that frustrates the heart and the mind of God, it's a mentality like that. If there's anything that I can see that stirs the heart of God, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If you read on, for by it the elders obtain a good report. It's that when we face a trouble or when we face a struggle or when we face a trial that we don't allow our heart to get hardened, but rather we begin to say, God, I'm hoping for the promise that's on the other side of the problem. That excites God. That opens God's hand. That's releasing God's promise. That's opening the windows of heaven. I like it. The scripture said the provocation, the provoking, the wilderness was meant to move them. It was meant to frustrate them. It was meant to push them into the promised land. So what hold them back? Fear for sure. Giants in the land, absolutely. Walled cities to the heavens. The impossibility of natural ability coming to the table and, and bringing conquer and bringing triumph. That, that's always a, a place of difficulty. But I've also considered that the stopping place of Israel on the way may have had something to do with it. The harshness of the desert was meant to provoke. It was to stir up their jealousy. It was to see uh, God reach into the midst of their impossibility. That their starving was met with manna and quail. That their water needs was supplied by the rock. Where the water flowed out. Uh, it, it was to watch as God routed the enemy. It was to watch as God led them as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So many lessons God taught them in the wilderness not to leave them there. And church, I just want to remind us, I got a simple message today that, that hope happens in hard circumstances. So I, I believe that we're in a bit of a difficult season. Since March, we, we've been in a bit of, of a difficult season. Is anybody living on the same planet I'm on? We've been in, walking in a difficult road. We've been walking a difficult path. We, we've been walking through this hard place. And I'll be honest that that church is a bit of a 
a refuge. It's a place that we can come together and we can sense the presence of God and we can remind ourselves that God's in control. But, but I don't want any of us to get content with the place that we're in right now. I think sometimes we have a sustenance mentality and God's saying, no, this is a growth opportunity. I, I think sometimes that we have, we have a, if I can just barely hang on and hold on until we get through and God's saying, no, the intention is that in this season, you're supposed to march out and march in to the hope that I have for you. I, I, I don't want to hope that we just get through the pandemic. I have this desire that God is placing in our spirits that this is an opportunity for revival, that this is an opportunity for growth. This is an opportunity to march into the promise of God, and I'm not going to be content to stay Right here, right now, God wants us to go deeper and farther. I, I just need someone to get a hold of that for a moment and say this is an opportunity for God to grow. Hope deferred makes a heart. It isn't to harden you right now. It's not to arrest your advance. God doesn't intend for this season to harden us. God intends for that to stir something up on the inside of us. Here's the problem. That place that Israel stopped in to send the 12 spies out from was a place called Kadesh Barnea. It's mentioned 14 times in Scripture. It's called Kadesh, or sorry, it's mentioned 10 times in Scripture and then often called Kadesh 14 times. Significant events happened there. Moses' sister Miriam died there. Moses' brother Aaron died near there. Israel camped there way too long. The most significant event at Kadesh reflected the decisions that were made in that place. Numbers 13 to 14, Moses dispatched the 12 spies into the land from there. They saw the land exactly as it looked, but somehow forgot the word exactly God had given. And I've wondered occasionally if Kadesh wasn't part of the problem. If you look, you'll find that historians will tell us that Kadesh actually was a place where there were three wells, springs, sorry, springs of water, fresh water, good water. And maybe it was in that place where they realized that the rock that had supplied the water all along wasn't a necessity. It wasn't a necessity to call on the God that turned the bitter water sweet at Merah. It may have been that in that season they said, well, the land is seeming to provide for us now. It was a little oasis in the midst of the desert. Why is it that sometimes the blessings that God gives to us becomes the blockade from where God wants to take us? I'm just... I don't have proof of this in Scripture. I'm just thinking about our human nature, how sometimes we get satisfied with just enough. I'm talking about when we get satisfied and content with where we are. When God says, there's a promise that you've yet to receive. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That's a promise that we have yet to receive. Now, we could say, well, that, that promise has already been yielded. We're connecting with China in a few weeks by video conference. I, I just want to remind you, that's not the promise fulfilled yet. Uh, some could say, well, that, that revival is yet to happen. We, we have a room full of people, and we're going to hunker in the bunker till Jesus comes. We're going to hold on, and 
We're going to hold out, and if we can just, if we can just hold on till the trump sounds, I just want to remind someone that's, that's not the completion of the promise. That's the beginning of the promise. That's just 12 spies that have gone in and seen the land. You're just part of the 12 today. You're just part of the 12 that can preach the message of hope and preach the message of truth. You're just part of the 12 that have yet to lift your voice and say, I need someone to go along with me into the land of promise that God has. But you get to pick the message you preach. So either we can look at the problem and say, it's too great, it's too much, there's too much wickedness in the world. Or we can have a Joshua and Caleb mentality that settles on us, that says, oh, what an opportunity for God to show himself real. What an opportunity for God to prove that he's God. What an opportunity that when the enemy seems like he's reigning and ruling, for God to step in and move through his people in revival to come. Kadesh Barnea was that beautiful little spot that was just enough. Could it be that our happiness slows down our hoping? Hope happens in, in difficult places. Hope happens in hard places. It's in those seasons of challenge and struggle that you either just kind of give up and give out or you begin to say, God, I'm looking for a way out. I'm looking for, may not have a door right now. It may be a window I got to crawl up to and crawl out of. But I'm getting out of this season that I'm in. I'm getting out because I believe, I have hope that this isn't the end of this story. I have hope that this isn't where we're stopping today. I have hope today because that, that, that only happens in that hard time. Hope happens in hard times. As long as you're happy, you're not thinking of a way out. Come on, you, you got the popcorn and you got, come on, it's carnival, you're, you're just happy, you're happy. But it's when you get in that difficult season, it's when we're in this difficult season right now. I'm mindful of your masks, I know, we've been in service for a little over an hour. Hate this season. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we don't need it. Not saying it's not good. I don't have to like it though. <laughs> I got my name written in this thing. Got my phone number on it. Honestly, if I lose it, don't bother bringing it back. But like pastor, can't wait to have a bonfire in the backyard with them all. You know why? Not really content right now. I, I mean, I'm grateful. Don't get me wrong. I'm grateful for Kadesh. I'm grateful for this oasis in the wilderness. This isn't where God's intending on leaving us. This isn't the end of the story. This isn't the place, come on, and either we make our mind up that we're getting up and getting out, or we just stagnate here. Someone say hope happens in hard places. My encouragement today as we come back to the music is that the hard place doesn't harden us. 
The hard place isn't intended to harden you, and it's not intended to harden me. The hard place is to allow hope to spring up. Hebrews 3 and 15, the writer went on. We already read 3-7, but if you read, he reminds us one more time. So we have it in the book of Psalms. We have it in the beginning of the chapter of Hebrews 3. But then if you'll read down to verse 15, it said, he reminds us one more time. He said, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. If you'll hear his voice. I hear a voice this morning. I hear a voice calling, saying, don't harden yourselves in this season of provocation. God's provoking us. God's proving us. I wasn't going to name their names, but Alicia and Jason, they've been going out. They asked the last couple weeks if they could get a few gift cards from Tim Hortons, and they've been going downtown. So grateful for people that are reaching outreach into our city and reminding people that in the midst of this problem there's a promise reminding people that in this mess come on there's a message reminding someone today that in everything that's happening around us we don't have to get stuck here we can look up there's a there's a group of believers that believes in them I'm so grateful for that today. I, I'm thankful that they've taken some time and connected with people. And, and they're, they're, they're texting saying, you know, if they call a church, is there a ride opportunity? Can we make sure that we connect? I'm so grateful for that. Why? Because that means that in the midst of everything that's happening, it doesn't mean that we're shutting down. There's a few people, maybe just two right now, but their message of hope and their message of inspiration is going to bring people into the promise that God has for them. We're not intended to stay in this little Kadesh Barnea oasis, God's saying, get out and fight for the promise. Get out and reach for the promise. Come on, Oromocto, we're going after the promise. Don't let the blessing become the blockade. Kadesh wasn't the promised land. It was just close. It wasn't the promised land. There was just no fighting, no giants, no wars, just a few wells. You know what I got to say to that? The wells would just sustain those people for then and there. But if God ever wanted to grow them, if God ever wanted to take them to the next level, those little wells weren't going to be enough. They needed a promised land to contain them. If what they were going to become what God wanted them to be in the future, I want someone to know today that this can't contain what God has in store for us so reach into the promise hope is springing in the midst of the problem today we're going to come face to face with the giants we're going to come face to face with the walled cities we're going to come face to face with impossibilities I just got someone Come on, I just got someone to see it right now with me. Any one person, we're going to see the problem. We're going to see the challenge. We're going to see the trouble. We're going to see the struggle. But that's not where God's going to leave us. When we come face to face with that fear, God's got the perfect opponent. It's called faith. Look at your neighbor and say faith.
But somehow God connects your hope with his ability. The thing that impressed God, the thing that pleased God was the report that those elders were able to bring because they said in the midst of problem, they said in the midst of trouble, they said in the midst of struggle, this isn't to end me. This is just the beginning. This isn't to stop me. This is to provoke me. I'm provoked today. I mean, I'm mad. I'm upset. I'm stirred up. I'm angry. Some of you just had nervous laughter in the room. Just a moment. Somebody's series awake. Thank you, Siri. Just a moment. Just a moment for what? All right. I'll tell you what we'll do in this moment. I wish someone would just praise God like he's on, on the throne. I wish someone would just take one moment and say, I'm a little provoked right now. I feel you, Pastor Jack. I, I'm not willing to sit. I'm not willing to stay. I'm ready to go. I wish you'd stand together with me right now. I wish someone would just say, I'm provoked right now. I'm provoked right now. I'm provoked into the promise. I'm provoked. Come on, the pressure is pushing me into the promise that God has for me. Come on, the word's still talking. 2,000 years later, we're provoked today. We're provoked today. If you read that verse ends the chapter 3, but if you carry it on into chapter 4, The Bible does speak about fear, but it doesn't say about fear in the enemy. It doesn't speak about fear in man. It doesn't speak about fear, fear in a pandemic. But this is what the Bible does say. He said, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you, should seem to come short of it. He said, if there's anything to fear today, don't fear the enemy. Don't fear the struggle. Don't fear the challenge. Fear missing out on what God has in store. If you want to fear anything, fear like, God, is there anything I'm doing right now that's going to make me miss out on the promise that you have in store for me? Is there anything right now that's keeping me from walking into that hope? Is there anything right now, any fear? God, that he said, fear that. Fear missing out. FOMO, that's what the kids call it. Took me a little while to catch up on that one. They were like, FOMO. I was like, FOMO, what? For what? For what? FOMO. Fear of missing out. It's a little acronym, FOMO. You know what? You want to know what the scripture of FOMO is? The scripture of FOMO is don't miss out on what God has for you. Therefore, let us fear lest a promise being left, left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. He said, here's what you fear. Fear like you might miss out unless you press in. Fear like you might miss out if you don't let me provoke you into the promise. Fear like you might miss out on heaven. Fear like you might miss out on revival. Fear like you might miss out on what God wants to do in this service right here, right now. You want something to fear? Fear that today. I don't want to miss the promise in the pandemic. 
I don't want to miss the promise and the provocation. I don't want to miss out today. Don't let my heart be hardened, God, but let hope spring up about what you want to do. Would someone just pray that with me? Come on, lifting both hands. Because the good news is this trial is the place of transition. Come on, the good news is this trial is a place of transformation. The good news is that this trouble is the birthplace of trust. The good news is that this trouble, this trial, is the place for hope to spring up. It's the hard place that hope springs forth. It's the hard place when hope comes into being. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Let your faith connect with hope today. Come on. Would you release it for a moment? Begin to talk to God for a minute about it. Someone just tell God, I'm hoping for revival. I'm hoping for my family to be saved. I'm hoping for my children to come in. I'm hoping, I'm hoping today. And that hope is springing up. I'm hoping that God will speak and that God will move. I'm hoping that we'll see him in a way that we've never seen him before. I'm hoping for miracles. I'm hoping for healings. I'm hoping for signs and wonders. I'm hoping for it today. Because in that absence of it, hope springs up for it don't let Kadesh keep you longer than God ever intended for you to stay don't let Kadesh just bring you a measure of contentment but rather look into the promised land and say I I know that there's more in store get heaven in my gaze get hope in my heart apply that pressure God that pushes me toward your promise today. Provoke me. Press me. Push me. Come on, walk into the promise of deliverance. Walk into the promise of revival. Walk into the promise of healing. Don't stay here. That's not where God intends for us to stay. Come on, every hand raised, I'm finished. I got nothing left in my notes. But I think that the Holy Ghost has something to deliver. I believe that God has something to release. Come on, faith, 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 the substance of that thing that's hoped for, the evidence of that thing that's not yet seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. God, I don't want to look back for the promise of a good report. I want to look to the present for the promise of a good report today.